The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Good morning, church. Welcome to our church and welcome to another um, Sunday morning uh, worshipping the Lord together. For those who don't know me, my name is Anoj. Um, I've been coming to church uh, to PCC for, for my whole life. Um, it's a pleasure to, to share from God's Word with you this morning. Um, the last time I was up here um, was, I think, the first week that we did online services and how things have changed and how the past couple of months have, have gone. I don't know about you, but if you're anything like me, the past couple of months has, has been tough. There's been so much going on in our world. There's been obviously the pandemic. Um, there's been um, the, the protests and um, injustice and things like that that have come around in not just the US, but in Australia and around the world. Um, it's been a turbulent time. Um, and in times like this, we, we often as people need somewhere to, to, to lay our anchor down, to, to put our anchor deep into the seabed in the midst of the storm. And in the series that we've been looking at, the I Am God statement, we've been given an opportunity to do that by rooting ourselves in the character of Jesus um, and looking at the, the, the I Am statements that he makes in the Gospel of John. We've looked at statements such as, I am the good shepherd, I am the gate, I am the way and the truth and the life, which we looked at last week. And today we, we, we come to chapter 15 and we look at Jesus' statement where he says, I am the true vine. Now this morning, this statement is going to challenge us in many ways because it goes against a lot of what our culture tends to tell us, what our world tends to tell us. I've got a friend um, who uh, a number of years ago uh, decided to get a, a, a tattoo um, and they were tossing up what, what to get, what to write, um, and they finalized the, the tattoo with just three simple words. And the words were, conquer from within. And the reason for that tattoo uh, was that she wanted to remember, you know, when, when things are tough, when the storms of life come, she wants to remind herself that she is to, to conquer from within. That she's to look deep inside and, and find the strength she needs to overcome and to, to live life and to make the changes that she needs to make. And that's really an epitome of what I guess many of us say and see in our world. That idea that we need to look deep within to find the source of life. But this morning, Jesus is going to give us another place to place our anchor. Um, and he's going to give us a, a, a place where we can come and be confident that there is someone else where we can trust, that we can look to, to conquer through times of fear and anxiety, when things are tough, when we're battling our sin and we want to see change in our life. Jesus is going to invite us to, to put our anchor down in someone else other than ourselves. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 15. We're looking at Jesus' I am the true vine statement, and we're going to read from verses 1 through to 10. This is what it says. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me and you, sorry, if you remain in me, you are like a branch. Those throw, sorry, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to unpack three things that Jesus tells us. We're looking at, firstly, we're going to see that Jesus gives us a warning that we need to heed, a warning that we need to understand and grasp when we think about this passage and and, and life itself. Secondly, Jesus is going to give us an invitation for us to accept, an invitation for us to think about, reflect on and accept that comes from Him. And thirdly, we're going to look at a reason why we can trust Him through it all. So we're going to look at a warning to heed, an invitation to accept, and a reason to trust. I'm going to open us up in prayer, um, and then we'll dive into the sermon. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that your word is, is relevant, Lord, in the good times and in the bad. And Lord, wherever we find ourselves this morning, Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts, Lord God, that you open up our hearts to hear what your word has to say. Guide my, guide my words, Lord, as I, as I speak, Lord, that I may be faithful to you and to, to your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So firstly, we're looking at a warning to heed, a warning to heed. Let's look at what Jesus says in, in verse 2. It's on the screen here. Jesus says, he, that is the father, the, the vine dresser, the gardener, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. In this space here, Jesus introduces this concept of fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. Now, many people have debated, what does Jesus mean? What does it mean to be fruitful? But I think ultimately in the end, to be fruitful really means to reflect the character of Christ more and more. When we, when we are, are fruitful, when, when, when we're displaying that fruit as it were, we reflect God's heart, we reflect His character, His heart more and more in an increasing way. See, when we display the fruit, when we grow in Him, we, we will learn to love as He has loved. We'll learn to obey as He has obeyed. We'll learn to have joy just like He has had joy. And it's going to be a lifelong process because this side of eternity, we're not going to perfectly resemble Christ. We're always going to need to grow and be more and more fruitful. But that's what Jesus is talking about here when he talks about fruitfulness. And so on that backdrop, then let's think about what Jesus says in this verse. He gives us two things, I think, to really chew on and understand. A warning, two warnings, uh, really aimed at, I guess, two different kinds of people. Listen to the first one. He says here in the first part of the verse, he says, he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. What does that mean? What what is Jesus saying? I guess what in essence he's saying is this. He's saying that if you're a believer and you put your trust in me and you say that you've cherished me as your Lord and Savior, and yet 
in your life there is no fruit at all? There's no change that you're not growing increasingly to become more like Him in time? If you look at your your life and, and you see that since the time you came to faith, there hasn't really been much change at all. He's saying that if that's you, then there's a, there's a warning that needs to be heeded. Because he says that there's coming a time where the Father will come and He'll cut off the branches which are fruitless. And to be cut off here means, it's, it's language of, of judgment. I mean, in, in verse 6, we see that Jesus says that if you do not remain in me, and we'll, we'll look at that in a moment, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. The language here of the fire and burning, it's an allusion to the truth that one day judgment will come. The vine dress of the gardener will come and if he finds the, the branches to be fruitless, they will be cut off. It's a, it's a challenging reminder. It's a sobering reality this morning. And maybe for you, you're someone who, maybe you sit uncomfortably with this. Maybe you're someone who's, who's come to church for years and you called yourself a Christian. Maybe you've done all the Christian things. You've said a quick prayer before you eat a meal. You've, you've tried your best not to swear, at least not out loud. But when you examine your heart, when, when you sit back, when you look at your own heart and, and, and how your heart has changed, whether it be at breakneck speed or slowly but surely, when you sit back and look at your heart, do you see evidence of Christ and His Spirit changing you since the time you first came to know Him? Or is it that you, you look at your heart and you see no change at all. You see no desire for Him or the things that He desires. Is there growth in your heart? It's a challenging reality to sit with this morning. And many of us, myself included, sometimes struggle to, to wrestle with that question. We don't want to address that question because we're afraid of what we're going to see. Or maybe you sit there and you go, oh, you know what, I'll, I'll get serious about Jesus later, that the fruitfulness reflecting His character, look, I'll do that later in life. But right now, I just want to enjoy life. I want to build you know, my life. My, I want to get a house. I want to get married. I want to you know, create my own life. And then I'll worry about you know, being fruitful and growing in Christ-likeness later in life. And you don't really think about it too much these days. Wherever you find yourself... This morning, the challenge is laid firmly before us. Jesus says that those who are unfruitful will be cut off. But that's not the only warning. That's probably the one that we see most clearly in that verse. But I think there's a second one that, that, that comes out of that passage as well that is often missed when we read this. Um, it's really speaking to a second group of people because maybe you sit there and you go, yeah, I can see change. Praise God, I can see that He's moved my heart since the time I first came to know Him until now. And, and you can see that. It's like, yes, amazing. That's awesome. Well, this morning, there's a second part in our verse which is going to challenge us, which is going to challenge the way that we think and, and view life. After Jesus has said this about being cut off, you know, fruitless branches being cut off, He says, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more now we need to remember that we remember and ask ourselves what, what does that mean for the father to prune now i'm i'm not much of a horticulturalist i mean 
I can mow the lawn um, and I think I can do that well, but that's about all I can do in the garden, to be honest. So I had to do a little bit of reading as I prepared for this this morning. But as I understand it, the act of pruning when it comes to gardening is really about trimming and refining the plants and the trees in the garden. It's about chopping away the twigs and the branches and the leaves that are dead and just taking up space. It's about reshaping the entire plant or tree so it's not growing in um, 150 different directions and hanging over footpaths. It's about reshaping and uh, ensuring that there's a, there's a shape and there's a, there's a view to it. Um, and so this morning when Jesus is, 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 is speaking to us, when he's giving us this warning, we have to understand that there's a challenge that comes with that. The process of pruning, when he uses that illustration in terms of people, when he, when he brings that metaphor in terms of here, we have to understand that, yes, when God's going to prune and, and refine us, it's going to be great because we're going to bear more fruit. But that process is going to be tough. See, for God to prune us, as it were, means there's, there's going to be times where he's going to take us through tough seasons. There's going to be times where he's going to allow difficult situations to come into our life so that we can be refined, so that our hearts can be stripped um, and separated from our sin and we can um, grow more and more in his likeness. And that's a tough space to be in. Maybe this morning, some of you, some of us are in the greatest pruning season of our life. Maybe you're someone who has for, for, for so long, you know, been all about building you know, nice, getting nice material possessions and um, earning a lot of money and living comfortably. And now you find yourself without a job and, and your, your rocks, your very core. Or maybe you're someone who really loves being with people. In fact, you, you thrive over, off the relationships that you have. You enjoy you know, meeting with friends and, and close loved ones and going out because deep down it gives you a sense of worth and identity. It gives you a sense of value and this lockdown season has, has separated you from that. And the friendships in your life have become strained and, and you feel that strain in the depths of your heart. Or maybe at work, you, you're fi finding yourself in a tough spot where you've got to choose between obeying God and um, sacrificing personal gain or disobeying and seeking to, to grow your own kingdom and, and gain much personally. And it's a tough strain, a tough place to be with. And it's hard, it's a wrestle because we know that, yes, we might be more like Christ at the end of it, but in the moment, it feels so tough. Maybe you're even at the point where you're wanting, you know, I'm being pruned, I'm being refined, but what's going to be left at the end? Will, will I still even have my faith at the end of this season? Friends, wherever you are, whatever season you're in, this is a, a, an important and sobering warning that we need to heed. If you're someone who's maybe... You know, it looks at your life, you say, look, oh, there isn't as much fruit as I would like. There isn't much fruit. And you're wrestling, you're thinking, well, how can I be fruitful then? How can I grow in that way? Or if you're in the greatest pruning season of your life and you're struggling to think, how can I hold on and not fall apart because this is so hard and you don't know what to do? How do we go about that? I remember reading a story um, a while ago. Um, it was about this, this young man who was committed to pursuing purity. Um, in his signals as a young man. And so what he did was he, he, he got a group of friends together. He created this accountability group. Um, and together they came up with what was called the contract. And in this contract, they listed everything they were going to do to grow this fruit of purity in their lives. 
They, they listed TV shows and movies that they were not going to go anywhere near. They listed places that they would not visit. They listed particular rules for how they would engage with people of the opposite sex so they can do so in a manner that's with integrity. They, would, they had certain Bible studies and passages that they would go through and memorize meticulously. And they were so confident that at the end of this, that after a couple of months, they would display that fruit of purity in their lives. But what he tells a story about is that over the next 9 to 12 months in his, in his journal, he writes again and again and again about how much he's failed, how many times he has to continually repent because he's fallen short of that standard. He's, he's not in, um, embraced purity in his heart and his mind and his actions. What happened there? See, he was a man that was so committed to bearing fruit and he was doing good things to do it. And you can insert your story into there as well. Maybe you've been trying to fight another addiction. Maybe you've been trying to release yourself from a particular sin in your life. Maybe it's anxiety or or things like that that have gripped your heart and, and you want to give it over to the Lord, but you feel like again and again and again, you're not living up to that standard. You're not able to do that. You're not producing that fruit. In times like that, what are we supposed to do? How do we grow this fruit? I mean, if there's a warning, then okay, we can heed the warning, but then what do we need to do? How do we become fruitful? And that takes us to our, our second point this morning where we get where Jesus gives us an invitation to accept. He gives us the how, and we find it here in, in verse 4 and 5. Listen to what he says. He says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No, bre- no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. There's our, our big I am statement. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, Jesus is saying what we've just talked about in the story I shared, that apart from him in our own strength, trying to produce this fruit ourselves, we can't do it. It's futile. We can put all the great um, guidelines in place, but unless something else happens, it's futile, it's pointless. And Jesus he gives us an invitation. He gives us an invitation. The, the how of fruit bearing and, and change comes through an invitation. It's an invitation to remain in Him. Remain in Him. Or as some translations put it, we're called to abide in Him, which means to stay connected. To stay connected, to stay around, to remain. Now let's unpack that for a second here. Firstly, we see that this idea of remain, he's not talking about bearing fruit in order to earn our salvation or anything like that. The, the very idea of remaining means that we stay where we already are. We're already connected to him. And in verse 4, he talks about how we've already been clean. So he's, in that context, is what he's saying for us to remain in him. But the main thing he's saying here is he tells us who we're remaining in. The invitation is about remaining, not in a place not in some kind of thinking or theology. The, 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 the invitation is to remain in a person, to remain connected, to abide in a person. And Jesus declares emphatically who that person is when he talks about himself. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. 
at the start of our passage, he says it even more emphatically, where he says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. Now, what does this mean? What does it mean for Jesus to be the vine? When we think about a vine and branches, what we see is that the vine really is the source of life for the branches and the leaves and everything else. The vine is the one that produces, the, that, that gives the water and the nutrients for the branches to grow, for the fruit to grow and develop. Without the vine, the branches are utterly useless. There's, there's an utter dependence that's necessary. That the branches need the vine for their life, for all its life, for all its fruitfulness. On its own, the branch can't do anything. And Jesus picks up that language and he says... He is. He says, I am the ultimate, the true vine. I am the true life giver. I am the one that through, through whom you can generate fruit and, and reflect me more and more. You are not the vine. Jesus tells us, we're not the vines. We're not the source of life. We're not the self-sufficient people that we think we are. We're utterly dependent. We need him desperately. And, you know, when we think about this for a second, we see that this flies in the face of everything that our culture tends to tell us today. When we're going through something really tough, when we're faced with the relational strain between us and friends, when we're faced with hard family circumstances, hard personal financial circumstances, when we're faced with the choice of obeying Christ or not, when we're faced with those difficult times, our, our world tends to tell us that, that to do that, to overcome, to be the change, to make the changes you want to see, you have to look deep within yourself to find that strength, to find that life and that power, to look deep within ourselves. We tend to believe, in other words, that we are the vine. And that's not just that's just not relevant just to people outside the church, even in the church. So many times we can think that we've been saved and now it's all about us producing and doing and, and, and you know, fighting and doing things all in our own strength. We can think that we are the vine. And it's the lie that humanity has believed since the very dawn of time when Adam and Eve said, you know what, I don't need God. I want to be the ones that know good and evil. And so they chose to disobey and we saw the results of it. Ever since then, humanity has always tended to be towards a point where we say that we are the vines. We don't need God. And Jesus comes in and says emphatically, that's not true. You are the branches. You are utterly dependent on me. And that's, that's tough for us to sit with as, as modern people. Jesus' big I am statement here tells us, reminds us that the idea that we are vines in ourselves is a lie. Jesus is saying, I am the one who gives life. I am the one who sustains. I am the one who gives you the hope that you need. I am the one that you need to depend on. I am the true vine. You are the brands that such just, just remain in me. Just stay connected. That's all you got to do. Quit trying to push out the fruit yourself as if you were the source of your own life, but just remain connected. Abide in me. Stay connected to me because I am the true vine, Jesus says. What an incredible invitation. Jesus invites us to a life free of trying to push out our own fruit and instead to just stay connect, connected into, to him, the source of all 
life. And this morning, Jesus actually gives us two ways that we can actually do that very practically. Two things that he says that can help us to remain, to abide in him. He says in verse 7, he says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The first thing that Jesus gives us here is he calls us to spend time in his word, to read his truth, to read what he says, and let that pour over our hearts and our souls. And as we read or as we listen to his word day in, day out, to be refreshed and stay connected, to chew on it, so that we know that when the, the, the devil comes and the lies come, the lies of, self, lies of self-sufficiency come, we, we know what God says. We know his words because his words are in us and we can fight those lies. And the second thing that he gives us this morning is he calls us to obedience. Verse 9 and 10, he says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. Jesus invites us to obey, to trust Him. He invites us and says, you know what, persevere. It might not be that we always feel like obeying, but He invites us and says, come on, choose to trust me. Friends, sin sin has a, 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 a terrible characteristic. Well, it's all terrible, but I guess one of the biggest um, or well, most terrible things about it is it hardens our hearts towards God. When we choose to disobey Him, when we choose to push what He says away and, and choose our own path of self-sufficiency, it hardens our hearts. And it's a, a vicious cycle because when we're, our hearts are hardened, we don't want to sit under His Word. We don't want to have His words remain in us. And so we don't want to spend time with him. And then when we don't do that, obeying becomes harder and it's just a vicious cycle. And Jesus says, no, come on, trust me, obey me. Trust that I love you and that I care about you and obey me, even in the the midst of the storms. Friends, this morning, that's, that's a tough ask. That's a tough call. Because sometimes obedience is going to cost you in the here and now. Sometimes it can feel like obeying Jesus' words is not going to get us what we think we want, what we think we need. Sometimes we may even feel like we've done it all, we've obeyed Him, we've been faithful, we've read His word and we've, we've done everything, but our, our situation doesn't seem to change and so we're tempted to just push it all away and do our own thing and to follow our own instincts. I don't know about you, but when I'm in the midst of the struggle, when I'm thinking about wanting to grow in fruitfulness and reflecting his character more and more, but I'm, I'm in that hard space, abiding can be really tough. Abiding can be really tough because you wake up and you're in the midst of the biggest pruning season of your life and you're kind of going, man, what's the point? What's the point? How on earth am I supposed to continue to obey, continue to spend time with Him when things aren't changing? How do, how do I know? How do I know that's going to be worth it in the end? How do I know? In that space, in that situation, in that time, what is it that we can hold on to? When things are tough, when abiding and remaining is tough, what do we cling to? That's where we come to our, our third and final point for this morning Jesus gives us a reason to trust a reason to trust him to trust and accept that invitation that he gives us 
And it's in the verse that we just read. See, Jesus tells us to, to obey, to keep his commands and, will, and remain in his love. And he says, just as I have, com- I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Do you, do you see the beauty of that statement there? The God that we serve, the one that's calling us to remain, to abide, to stay connected to him. He's not just standing at the end of the road outside of um, your suffering and pain, tapping his foot, waiting for you to come and to reach him on your own accord. He's not, that's not the God that we serve. The God that we serve, Jesus himself, he knows your hurts. He knows our pain. He knows the struggles. Why? Because he himself has lived it. Because he himself has walked this life. He came to this earth and was fully obedient to the Father. He fully obeyed the Father's command. Hebrews 5 tells us that Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. In other words, he, he, he the, the perfect and holy Son of God, walked that path of suffering and pain and hurt to the full. And yet he obeyed perfectly through it all. He was the, the perfect example for us. He understands the struggle. He understands the pain. He understands the hurt. And yet he obeyed fully. He obeyed the Father's commands fully, even the command for him to go to the cross. See, on the cross, we see Jesus, the true vine, the source of all life, lay down his own so that you might have yours. On the cross, we see Jesus, the true vine, being cut off so that you might be grafted in. When you see your Savior nailed to that tree, when you see him, the source of life, the true vine, laying down his life and being cut off so that we would never have to be, when you see that, when you behold that, when you savor that, that's that's where we'll find the strength to persevere. Friends, this morning, we're invited to remain in Him, to trust Him, to cling to Him tightly as our Savior and to remain connected to Him because He is the source of all life. And He's shown His great love for us by laying His life down for us so that when you are in the the midst of the struggles, when we are are unsure, when we feel like the the fruit's not coming or we feel like it's taking so long to come to bear, we can trust Him. We have a reason to trust because He is our Savior. He's our God, the one who laid His life down for us. Jesus is the true vine and He invites us to remain, to abide. What an amazing invitation. And I pray that this morning, that God would open up your heart to see that, to hear that, and that you would accept that invitation this morning. How about I close our time in prayer and then we move on. Father God, Lord, we're so thankful. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to this earth. Thank you for walking the, the, the road of pain and suffering. Thank you for obeying perfectly. Thank you for creating a way for us to be grafted in. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you invite us to be free of a life of just trying to push out fruits ourselves. And instead, you invite us to remain, to abide, to stay connected to him. What a wonderful invitation, Father. Lord, we pray that, Lord, this morning, wherever we find ourselves, whether we're in the, 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 the highs or lows of life, 
whether we're, we're enjoying things right now or they're, they're, they're quite tough in some ways, Lord, I pray that we would put our anchor down deep into you, that we rem- re- remember that you are the true vine, you're the source of all life, um, of all joy, of love, Lord God, and that when we come to you, we can trust you for everything that we need, Father, that you will give us everything we need. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this week to remember that, to trust you, to walk in that. Um, and you'll be with us this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.